Want to welcome back our audience, our listeners to Tech Conversations presented by the FIU Radcliffe Art and Design Incubator housed right here under CARTA at Florida International University. We are celebrating Women's History Month. I'm the guest co-host Maggie Salas-Amaro, an alumnus of FIU um, School of Journalism and Media. Pause up. And I want to welcome in our next guest, Elizabeth Irisarri, a community manager, leader, strategist, podcaster, and Web3 enthusiast. She is the founder and co-host of her own podcast, the Infinity, Infinite, Infinite Attraction Podcast, a Miami-based uh, podcast empowering the local builder community. Um, she strongly believes there are significant opportunities in Web3 and is motivated to raise awareness of the positive impact of the NFTs, blockchain, and the metaverse can have on our society. She is determined to broaden the participation of women and underrepresented minorities in the tech and Web3 community. That's a lot. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure being here. So I'm excited to kind of have, we've had, you know, like we spoke offline, you know, we've had mayors and celebrities and newsmakers and creative practitioners and people from NASA, but, you know, we haven't had a young up and coming kind of, you know, innovator in this space. So let's kick it off. I always ask everybody who joins the podcast to talk about, you know, who, in your case, who is Elizabeth? Talk about your journey. Um, I know that's, you know, the landscape and, and technology is ever changing. Um, so I can't really say, is this something you dreamed about doing? Because I'm assuming that it probably wasn't. But can we talk about your passions? Yeah, absolutely. It definitely was not. <laughs> I, I immigrated to this country from Cuba when I was about five years old. Um, and I lived in Miami basically the major all of my life. I wasn't raised here. I was raised here for the most part, but uh, I started to get a handle on what it was like to be surrounded by just like a diverse culture and have so many like Hispanics near me. But growing up, it was like, the idea was like, I was always an entrepreneur. <laughs> I was hustling from day one, doing like the car washes and any business in the neighborhood I could come up with. And I never imagined that I would be here today or I would even have a podcast um, either. But life kind of just went in that direction. I remember in school, in high school, around like sophomore year or something, they did like a job fair. And uh, in, in that job fair, they had different stations. And some of them was were very boring to me. I'm like, oh my God, I liked business, but I didn't see that I fit in into any of those categories. And then I walk by a laptop and this woman's showing this amazing, just like screen and, and just graphics. And I fell in love. And I that's the moment where I realized, well, that's what I wanna do. On her screen, she had, it was the Art Institute and she had different programs. And so I was like, well, I wanna do that. Whatever, this looks better than everyone else. And I ended up going into interior design and I wanted to do a more graphic kind of role. But the reason I chose interior design because I wanted to impact people's places, um, environments. So I focused more on that commercial aspect. And I've been in the industry now for about nine, nine years. Um, I've done everything from design on a lower impact level, you know, workplace strategy, uh, office of the future. I've worked in sales as well, which is my current role at Empire Office. I basically handle strategic partnerships. So it's like kind of evolved. I took like a complete, <laughs> I started where I thought I wanted to be in a design role and I had some hard technical skills. I would draw and render and kind of work with clients. Um, 
but that kind of evolved with time as I started really working front end with conversations on how to attract and retain employees. And as I started to evolve in that role and I was having conversations with like the end users, the clients, companies, I fell in love with the tech industry. And about a year ago, I really decided to step in to the tech community and not see it from like a spectator's view. <laughs> so I started to actually step into the community and, and just kind of dabble around and I fell in love with the energy. It was so much like mine, very entrepreneurial spirit and a tech is everything. And it was just full of so much innovation and it felt like home. Some of these tests that you're involved with because I know you have quite a bit of um, momentum going on and then where I'm going to ask you about your own podcast. Um, I just love that you've been an entrepreneur since kind of a young age. I think most kids are entrepreneurs as they discover what they want to do. You know, they either build a lemonade stand or a cookie stand or they, you know, in the case of me and my brother, we used to take things from around the house and build our own kind of a thrift store and sell it to the relatives that came to visit. So that's a fun story right there. I love <laughs> that. Objects everywhere. We had them in our own storefront. So talk about I some of the it. projects that you're that you're doing. Yeah, so right, I have so many projects right now. I'm also an ambassador for like two just wonderful organizations here, um, Upstream, which is a company, but they also mostly um, have they. It's like a LinkedIn, let's say, uh, but it's a good way to connect with people across different communities, so you can create communities on there. Um, the other one is Women and Web3, which is now Web3 Equity. And I'm a big fan of that because of what, obviously we're onboarding women into the Web3 space. Um, I am working on my own NFT project, which is going to be releasing soon. It's called The Yearbook, and it's meant to commemorate that the growth of this tech ecosystem, and it's going to etch people, places, and things. So any groups, organizations, um, any people that have been instrumental to kind of the that foundation of tech here in Miami from day one to this moment. It's imagine if we could record Silicon Valley's like cycle, right? Growth, like journey. So we're trying to do that through this NFT project and at the same time give back to those existing organizations that are already here. Excellent. I mean the whole thing with the NFT as you know um, has exploded. It was a hit during um, you know Miami Art Week. Um, at the Radcliffe Art and Design Incubator, we actually have a entrepreneurial resident, David Anasagasti, uh, better known as Aho Sniffs Glue, who has been doing a Geographies of Trash digital scavenger hunt, and he entices his followers to pick up his items, and then he does a callback to bring back the items, and he NFTs them as gifts. So he's kind of giving back, he's upcycling, and he's using the NFT in a very positive way, which I think is great. Um, people still don't understand what an NFT is. So I don't know if you want to explain a little bit what, what the meaning of yeah. it is. Yeah, of course. And, and, and that's kind of my favorite part right now. It's like, there's so much opportunity to educate like the greater community. Um, NFT stands for a non-fungible token. Uh, there's a lot of misconceptions on whether that is a JPEG that can just sits on the blockchain, but it's actually a little bit more than that. So I think I just had this leak, like my godson said, oh, there's a new movement where you could just screenshot, copy and paste a photo. And I'm like, that's exactly what it is not. Um, <laughs> non what's beautiful about the blockchain 
is that it's a contract that sits within uh, the blockchain that is decentralized. And we've we've explored so many things. Um, it's to me what's important about NFTs is the community, the opportunity to create DAOs, which is is a decentralized autonomous organization. It's the utility is the most important factor of an NFT. So when you have an artist, I'll give you an example. Let's say you have an artist who sells a piece for ten thousand dollars on regular market. Let's say I sell it to you, I sell it to you for ten thousand dollars, and then you go sell it to someone else for twenty thousand dollars. That artist never sees the light of day of any of that additional profit. What's beautiful about the blockchain is that it you can still have your physical art and create a digital. Um, version of it to sit on the blockchain to engrave it so it's basically like you have your own legal terms and what happens is that it cannot be ed it cannot be edited and it cannot be changed or deleted so what's beautiful is that now you can also gain um you can recover so if you if now i sell this piece online whether it was minted prior or then sitting on the blockchain on a secondary market you can now actually make a percentage back so there's like a percentage that you can all make for the life cycle of that project. So if you pass away as an artist, you can have it written in the contract where your family can actually gain the rights to that money that was being raised through the years, right? And so that's just on, a, on like, let's say the best way we can understand it right now based on the way we traditionally buy and sell art. But there's other ways that you can also do it. Like, for example, the Women in Web3 group that is releasing their NFT project, their project is based on raising awareness to the community and educating women specifically on Web3, the metaverse, blockchain, all things, so that they can find job opportunity or create their own projects. So the NFT is being used as basically a segue. Not only are you getting a, a beautiful piece of art by a local woman, woman who has actually won um, Emmys, I think, uh, is an artist, a local artist, you are now also getting access to basically what could be considered a token that will give you, um, you know, access to the community, access to be involved on different projects, but at the same time, you are supporting an organization. It, it weeds out nonprofits where it gets very complicated and they are out there um, trying to get every penny that they can. And then you don't, you as a, a person aren't getting a lot of involvement or a lot of say on a project. So right now, if I were to donate some money to an organization, a nonprofit, I don't really have a lot of say on how that money is going to be used. Part of what the blockchain narrative does, the NFTs and the DAOs, is that it actually gives you participation. So I feel like I am just as much of an owner of that organization and I have say in where that money is being used and how it's being used. So I, I think that that's an opportunity to fix a lot of existing problems. So I'm really excited to see, you know, what people create. And, and again, there's so many different roles for NFTs, so many different projects. There's some that are specifically focused on mental health. And they provide mental health like opportunities for you to get help. Um, and all you have to do is own that NFT. So if someone were to copy that image, they can't access that group. So you have it's it's blocked. And the only way to access it is by um, you have to basically connect to your wallet key, and it can go and see that it sits inside of that wallet. So it's pretty um, it's pretty streamlined. I know it sounds a little complicated. But there's a lot of layers 
to it to understand. And that's what, you know, I think the rest of us are here to do. I thought that was a great explanation because I think what the NFT has also brought to light is that it benefits, if I'm understanding correctly, right? It benefits the artist more now than before. Yes, and, and not just uh, like, let's say artists, uh, but music artists as well. Music artists have been jumping out of their seats, uh, getting very involved in, in the community because they are actually regaining the rights to their own music again. And so they're also being able to interact with the audience. So let's say you're a music artist and you have a song and sometimes a record label owns the rights to your song and what you do and how you represent yourself. So you also don't have the reach to necessarily talk to an audience, but what if you put it up on, on the blockchain and your NFT and you have an NFT collection that comes with it. So you, hey, buy this NFT and with it, you get access to the album. And so now you have people bidding also because you might have, might have sold out and more people want it. So it's going to continue to resell and the price of that resale will come back to you. So it's very, really interesting because now that artist has an opportunity to make more money on their content, on their music. So think about writers, the opportunity a writer can have. So sometimes when something gains popularity, and you've already put it out there, you no longer get any of those gains. So that is just to me alone worth, worth uh, getting, you know, more, finding out more about, you know, NFTs and, and Web3. So, you know, I love that you've explained this to our audience and our listeners, because I think a lot of people, you mentioned NFT and the blockchain and everything, and there's like so many definitions, right? So moving on to the next big definition, because yesterday on LinkedIn, there was a big post that went out that explained um, what is the metaverse? It's even being defined right now by the a a sorry, AP uh, style guide. Um, as you know, that's like the Bible for writers mm -hmm. and for you know aspiring communicators and even people like us, you know, we brush up on AP style all the time. Mm -hmm. It's a big thing here on our, at our FIU um, journalism and media school, as well as the communications program. So. It says something about, it says, don't believe the hype. The metaverse is an evolution, not a revolution. And it's one that business leaders should not ignore. It says that it will profoundly change how businesses and consumers interact with product services and each other. Key metaverse concepts, including digital economy, innovations such as cryptocurrency are business relevant today. You wanna talk about what, how do you define the metaverse? I guess is my question. <laughs> Uh, this is it's such a, it's, I love this question because there isn't a perfect definition to what the metaverse is and neither there is for anything that we've been talking about. It's all just kind of evolves. Mm -hmm. And I think when we first thought about the metaverse, when the metaverse came up in conversation many years ago, because we were, we've been having these conversations for a while and it was actually a term coined back in like the seventies. Um, I can't remember the, the name of the author that wrote a book on what the first signs of the metaverse were. And so it's been around a long time, but when we first saw it, it, it seemed like a, a, a fake world. It, it seemed like a place that wasn't, um, that didn't integrate real life. And I can understand this because I have two dualities to this conversation where I'm all about being present in our real life but I also see the opportunity of what the metaverse can do for our future. And so the metaverse isn't just one world and it's not just one metaverse, it's multiple metaverses. So when we see Facebook and we see Meta and we think that they are gonna take over 
the definition of what the metaverse is, it's completely wrong. Like the metaverse isn't just Facebook's meta. The metaverse can be Decentraland. It could be Superworld. It could be a combination of different uh, metaverses. And what's beautiful about it is that we don't yet have uh, the interoperability uh, figured out yet, but at some point it's going to work that way. And if you think about, um, I think there's like a movie, I can't remember the name of the movie, but where they kind of walk into this metaverse and within there, there's different roles and you could be an avatar and you could be who you want. Yes, that is one aspect of it, but the metaverse has the opportunity to change life as we know it for a lot of things that aren't working in web two. So I have a friend who's working on a project and it's basically, doing like a clinic uh she's like a nurse but she's been a nurse in practice all her life and she's trying to bring this clinic to the metaverse where people who don't have access to healthcare um and good doctors and good sessions that they can go into the metaverse by simply owning a token an nft that nft that they could use that gives them access and they can actually do sessions in the metaverse sometimes people can't travel easily so the, me the metaverse, in my opinion, is a gateway to, to helping uh, fix a lot of the existing issues that we may not realize are existing that still keep us, in my opinion, stuck on a phone. It's not meant to be a place that you're, you're not escaping. It is just another world. So it, it's like if you were traveling anywhere in the world, it is just gonna become another world. Now, there are a lot of reasons to be afraid because a lot of what is centralized right now that controls our data and our information can cause us to be very fearful about what our future looks like in a world like this. But this is the opportunity that we have now to change that. So the more people that get educated, the more innovators that create the metaverse. The metaverse isn't just created by Facebook and Instagram. It's not just created by Google and Microsoft. We, the locals, are creating the metaverse. It is a creator economy. That means there are infinite ways in which this can go and does not have to be uh, controlled by a centralized party. That is what's beautiful, is this decentralized concept of living in this space that we can add tools to it where we find there are issues. So I'm really excited about so much that is happening all the new things that are building, the companies that are trying to solve for some of the mental health issues that we currently are facing in the world right now. And I think this is a beautiful time to be alive. And for people that are interested and want to explore more, I urge you to, to read. I urge you to do your own research. Look into Kathy Hackle. She's amazing. Um, you asked me, or I think earlier offline, about someone that I found to be inspirational. She is one of those women that I find to be absolutely inspirational. And the way she talks about the metaverse will give you chills. And I think it's important for us to create our own hypotheses <laughs> um, before we go out there and, and, and judge something out of fear. And if there's something, again, that you're afraid of, change it. Uh, go out there and, and find the opportunity. So that brings me to my next question before we get into um, Kathy Hackle and the role of women in tech and, and another question um, here at the podcast. But, you know, like you mentioned, mental health, you know, it's this universe like, you know, Nike, H&M, Disney, you know, Disney just announced a couple of weeks ago, they, they named a, a chief of metaverse, right? Um, mm -hmm. First of all, you know, the companies are really taking seriously the metaverse. But my question is, 
is it unhealthy then to live between two worlds? Because you're here and you're unhappy in your life and you use the metaverse to kind of escape. And right now we see most younger people addicted to the gaming, in the gaming with the, you know, the headsets, you talk to them, they're like, ah. Oh. So, you know, is the metaverse unhealthy? I think everything we currently do can be considered unhealthy because, you know, the amount of time we spend on our phones, uh, the amount of time we spend isolated, being working remote, the, there's just so many things right now that can be considered unhealthy. And there's a lot of misconceptions, just like there's misconceptions on how like crypto um, is bad for the environment, so is our traditional banking system. So if you look at the carbon footprint there, you can, so again, where I'm going with this is that that can all be deconstructed. I 100% agree with you that sitting on your computer, on your phone, our children are losing soft skills, um, how to communicate with people. And that is something that I myself am working on, whether we like it or not, this future is coming. You know that we're, we're headed in that direction so i think it's important to find tools where we can integrate our real life um and encourage people to spend time like on uh, like enjoying the outdoors so something like ar is going to be more uh, popular it's augmented reality because it, it augments your existing reality so it still keeps you in the real world but then you can see different things um once you put on the glasses so that will be rapidly adopted and then VR will kind of come come on its way like right after that. VR is already, but it's just a, a small percentage of people that actually use the VR. I think over the pandemic, like there was like a number that went up that was ridiculous, like the Oculus. I don't know how many Oculuses were sold uh, because people were bored and were at home and were locked away. And so you do have to think about that. Not everyone has our personality can be introvert, extroverted, or is a combination. So for those people, who maybe don't feel safe, they'll go into these worlds so that they can create, that they can be a different person that maybe they don't feel safe with. So maybe they'd be actually willing to do therapy sessions in the metaverse where they won't do it in real life because they don't want to be seen the way that they are. And that will start to deconstruct, I would say, some of those um, mental cues of like how we perceive ourselves. So there's a lot of opportunity there as well. And I think at the same time, if you're in the metaverse, you you get to make money there now. Uh, a, a lot, I think Roblox was the fastest growing company at all time. Like, I don't think anybody even knows that. Mm -hmm. And all it is, is it's kids, I mean, kids use it. I myself have never played, but, um, but it's a, an economy of its own. Like there are people buying and selling and building and creating, and I can create something and that could be sold. So it, it basically, everyone is a startup. Everyone is a founder. Everyone is a business owner. That is so empowering. That is what this is heading towards. Again, I go back to creator economy. So there is an interesting aspect to, to having that kind of flexibility, freedom. We already doing, in our, in our, if we go to our real life right now, there's a lot of us that have dual, different dualities because on Instagram, you're one thing, maybe that's for your friends. On Facebook, it's for your family. On LinkedIn, it's professional. On Twitter, you're kind of, depending where you want to be, you're all over the place or just your web three world. So you have all these different personas. I don't talk to my family sometimes the same way I talk to my friends. And lately, I've what I've, the metaverse has taught me is that all of that is the same. I don't have to hide my tattoos. I don't have to straighten my hair. 
to be more liked by someone because I am just another person in, a, in the world. And I could put any skin, any avatar, and that doesn't change that I am Elizabeth. So that is very that is beautiful. A, that is a great example, Elizabeth, because you're right. You're absolutely right. You know, Instagram, you're like one thing. LinkedIn is super professional. So what you're posting on LinkedIn is not what you're posting on Instagram. And Facebook is the same thing. I feel like a lot of people fueled by the election and the pandemic, there was a lot of friction between people. They made it more about, this is my family space. And my Instagram is more my friend space. And then my LinkedIn is my professional space. And I feel like that's the way it's been defined. So it is kind of, um, it is kind of a metaverse if you think about it. So you're absolutely right. I'm glad that we, we cleared that up. So let's take the conversation forward. What, how do you see the opportunities of women in this space? Because we are celebrating Women's History Month, um, you know, like, like never before in our time, women are front and center, right? So talk a little bit about that. So although women are front and center, this is mainly a male dominant, um, you know, world right now within the Web3 community. There are a ton of wonderful women, like I said, Kathy Hackle, there are other projects that are out there, um, World of Women, NFT, which is actually at the top, one of the most um, blue chip projects out there. Uh, there are crypto gals, there are just like a whole bunch of different projects that I've, I've personally supported. Um, when uh, Meta Angels is another one. And there are also local women building in our community. You have Michelle Abs, who is doing Web3 Equity. Um, you also have uh, Raisa, who is working on her own NFT projects to help women in tech and in crypto get opportunities. So I think that um, I'm one of those people that I like to say to the ladies in the room, if you wait to be invited, no one's going to invite you. So don't wait to be invited, invite yourself. So I love to put myself in uncomfortable situations where I'm asking the questions and I'm wondering, okay, why isn't, why can't a woman do this project? Um, or why isn't there a woman on your team? And if it's because of a lack of education or experience, then that's not a problem. We could fix that. So I'm very interested in, in, in helping onboarding women and giving them the confidence and the power because often we feel like we need to be an expert at what we do. I've only been um, in the Web3 world since last year. <laughs> and I've sat on a computer and I've taken courses and I've learned from my peers and I've learned from you know, the, my, my male allies that, that I know that have been so supportive. So, you know, and I pose questions to them and they pose questions to me and, they and we challenge each other. So I think it's a wonderful time for women uh, because there's a lot of resources. I think January, there was like some, a statistic that said something around like a lot of the majority of the NFT projects that were being supported were actually women led projects. So a lot of, of attention came to NFTs that were created by a women only group. So they may have had some male like allies in the group, but that the group was predominantly female led. So female led projects are destroying the entire <laughs> NFT community. They are taking over. And it makes me so happy because they, they the way that women invest and the way that women work on projects, um, there sometimes can be a lot more meaningful and more impactful. So a lot of these projects are actually uh, considering mental health, giving back to women, creating um, job opportunities, providing educational resources. 
that is something that some of the early NFT projects did not do or are not doing. They were based on a club, on a group. Um, and now that is starting to shift. So excellent. You know, I'm glad that, you know, women are being disruptors in this kind of movement. Let's take it to the next question. So, you know, we're interviewing you today for this podcast that, you know, basically touches upon every intersection of tech. And we do a little talking outside of the subject as well. So talk about Infinite Attraction podcast. What inspired you to do that? And, you know, talk quickly about some of the guests and topics. Yeah, so over the pandemic around 2020, I decided I wanted to start a podcast out of, I just had some time and I was very focused on mental health. So my podcast early days, it was about vulnerability and personal growth and coaching because I was really interested in, in that aspect of life and, and helping people. So I decided to post my episodes about, you know, very personal conversations that happen in life about the thing that you think that you have to do versus the thing that you actually want to do in life, <laughs> right? All the you can imagine it went deep. And then after that, I did that for about a couple episodes. And then season two came back around 2021 with a co-host because I fell in love with the movement, the Miami tech movement, and I wanted to cover it. So fast forward to today, we're on season web three, as we call it. And we're very focused on the local builder community as we've been for the past two seasons. So anyone building locally, it's not necessarily just, uh, you know, necessarily tech or web three. We have a slew of different topics from conversations with Brightline we've had on. We've had local builders that are doing projects. We've had the inner Miami soccer player who receives half of the salary in crypto. Trade Station has been on. I just had two wonderful ladies, Michelle Bagels and uh, Vanessa Callas, who were talking about DeFi trends, developer DAO, Oceans DAO, a lot of really exciting things happening here in the community that sometimes we don't know are happening. And so you don't realize all the opportunities are out there. So my goal is really to, me as a local, I feel like it's so important for my family, for my friends, for my communities that are outside of here in the center of Miami to know what is happening. Um, I've supported the, also the Seaworthy Collective, and I've had them on the show. And we've, like I said, we've had a variety of different people. We talk about psychedelics and um, educational resources around that. So we just open the doors to everything and, and anything happening here that it's building and can impact, you know, you as a community member or a new person maybe moving to our, you know, community. Love it. I love it. And I love the name Infinite Attraction, which is, you know, always good about having positive vibes, right? Yeah. So let's close out the podcast. You know, it's been such an interesting conversation. You know, it's Women's History Month. We all think about, you know, who inspires us, who, you know, kind of we, we look up to. So talk about, you know, who's inspired you and is it someone in your family? Is it, you know, somebody that's a public figure? Um, who kind of inspired Elizabeth? Right now, I'm really inspired by a friend who's been such a wonderful mentor. Her name is um, Diana Sanchez. And I just have to put her out there because she's been so instrumental. And sometimes in this community, you need close uh, friends, female friends who root for you and, and talk to you the hard way. And, and, and sometimes we struggle with ourselves to realize our own value. And it's very healthy to have a friend who supports you. And Vanessa is actually the 
I think she's a senior vice president at Silicon Valley Bank. Um, so Diana, she's a senior vice president at Silicon Valley Bank, which it's to have a woman in a role where it's also very male dominant, it's so empowering. And I, I just appreciate everything that she has done for me and helped me kind of learn how, how to be myself because often in this world, us women have to just suck up a lot of things and, and, and put an, a front, but it's good when you're finally let go of that and you could be yourself and you could still be a valuable member of this community. Excellent. So thank you to um, Diana for inspiring you and you know, kind of holding the fort down for so many women. I want to thank you, Elizabeth, uh, for joining the podcast. If you want to um, let our audience, our listeners, know where your podcast is distributed, is it on Spotify, Apple, all the usual platforms? Yep, all the usual platforms. You can find it Spotify, Apple, Infinite Attraction Podcast. And we are extending an invitation. Um, we are on spring break this week at um, FIU, but we are extending an invitation for you to come in person, be part of our speaker series at uh, the, the Radcliffe Incubator. Um, we always love, you know, having students interact with kind of our, our mentors. And you're definitely an example um, here in this community of what's going on in so many different areas. And, you know, we do have a, a fellow that's working on a mental health project that I'd like to connect you with because I think you guys would have a great time talking about, you know, this subject that is really so real and so you know, interesting right now to help people, right? Especially coming out of the pandemic and isolation and all the different things that it brought to light. I would love that. Thank you Thank so, you much, so much again for having me. Thank you so much for joining the podcast.